Hi, Don. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. You? I'm great, thanks. To be honest, I'm pretty excited as we're launching our Patreon over the next week. Yes, what an absolute treat to start 2023 with. I'll tell you what, though, before we start, I'm parched. Do you have any drinks? Uh, I don't. But our listeners could treat us to a dandelion and burdock every month to keep us hydrated for the podcast. Sounds good, but what would they get out of it? Well, for just £3 a month, they could get a full video episode with behind-the-scenes preamble and post-show chat every week. And let me tell you, wow. that's usually a real treat. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like a real treat. That sounds awesome. I'm well up for that, but I don't need to because I'm involved. I don't need to pay. No, but they'd get that a day earlier than everybody else would release on a Tuesday. Surely, in that case, they'd also get the podcast version a day earlier as well. Absolutely. I'm concerned. Now we've become sellouts and decide to have adverts featured on the podcast, people will come for us with pitchforks. Well, in this tier, they'd get the episode ad-free. Excellent. Surely they can't get anything else in this tier. Not really. Only an extra wrap-up podcast at the end of each season where we watch interviews and performances from the era we've discussed and one watch-along episode a month where we'll watch and discuss a classic gig, film or anything Arctic Monkeys related. What, like Glasto 2013, Live at the Apollo, Scummy Man or Submarine? Yeah, exactly. And there's so many more. But I'm not done yet. We'll also be putting out special birthday party episodes on each band member and associated band members' birthdays. And do you know what's good about that? What's good about that? Alex's is the 6th of January. Amazing. Sounds like that would be a great day to launch the Patreon then with an Alex Turner birthday party episode ready and waiting for our patrons. As always, Nick. You read my mind. It's an amazing tier. And again, you get all that for just £3 a month. Yep. I don't see what else the next tier could possibly offer on top of that. Well, if you're now well hydrated and you fancy grabbing a pint with me, our listeners can treat us to one in our local, The Cornerstone. I'll be there in 10 minutes. For just £5 a month, our listeners can access our Cornerstone tier and get all the great features already referenced on the previous tier. Plus, and I'm excited about this. I'm on tenterhooks here. Or... Rusty hooks, as it were. Nice. Well, our Cornerstone patrons will also get a monthly Last Shadow Puppets podcast where we'll do a deep dive into a track from the beginning of the catalogue all the way to the end. Amazing. B-sides and all. B-sides and all. Wow, that's just outstanding. So all the previous features and the Shadow Puppets pod, incredible. Well, also... Each subscriber gets to pick any song from any band or artist that doesn't feature an Arctic Monkeys member in the act or production, and we'll put the songs into a prize draw once a month. So, for example, you might pick Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. The winning subscriber will get a podcast in our format on that song. They'll stay in the prize draw until they win, and we'll refresh annually. This all sounds amazing. Well, apart from the Ariana Grande bit, but yeah, that's a me issue. <laughs> so, we're launching on Alex's birthday? Yes, on the 6th of January, come to our link tree or socials to access Patreon, where you can choose your tier of choice. Once you've signed up, you'll immediately start seeing the benefits with the Alex Turner birthday party episode. This is all very exciting. Isn't it just? Well, we hope you're all as excited as we are and can help support us throughout 2023 and beyond. Bye, everyone. Bye. We're Arctic Monkeys. This is Don't Believe the Art. That rock and roll, eh? Ladies! That sound means it's the end of the game. Time for the bonus question. Cheers, dude. That man just yawned. We're going to call it, man. Don't believe the art.
Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Don't Believe the Hype, the weekly podcast that just won't shut up about Arctic Monkeys, with me, Nick Lee, and him, Dan Holt. You alright, Dan? Hi, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm great. How, how are you doing? Yeah, raring to go, mate. Despite the fact I'm, uh, I'm full of a cold, it's mm. album release week when we're recording this, which is terribly exciting, isn't it? It is, because, well, actually, about two hours before coming on on air do i say on air i'm saying on air on air we uh they dropped a new bloody song and video didn't they i oh. i ain't quite where i f- think i am i forgot that right it's one of those wordy ones that i, I mix up usually but um yeah that was that's uh very good is all i'll say um, yeah, and it, well, it'll be good to get to it in about five years' time, won't it? Well, luckily, people at this point will have already heard our the car reaction podcast by the time this goes out in mid-November. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, we've not quite got the continuity thing going, have we? But, you know, it'll be weird if we recorded this and didn't, because we do it slightly in advance by about two or three weeks. It'll be weird if we didn't reference the new stuff I suppose, wouldn't it? Because, yeah, put it all in retro. We're not we're not professional enough to go and put it all in retroactively and all that nonsense. No, yeah. you'll figure it out. It'll be silly now. Well, we're silly covering now. songs from 20 years ago, so I think, you know, we'll do it. Right. <laughs> so uh, with with all this, with all the talk of songs in mind, what are we chatting about tonight? Well, very excitedly, we, uh, I hope you've got some... Um, Dancing Shoes with you, Nick, because we're going to be entering the fourth track of whatever people say, and that's what I'm not. Dancing Shoes. And what would your dancing shoe of choice be? Oh, for, <laughs> for me, it'd be, it'd be a knackered converse, mate, all the way. You just said that because of the same relevance, aren't you? That's the, uh, but, you mean and, like, and that's what I'd go for, I think. Well, maybe in, don't mind like, stick on them, it's fine. in like a 2005 indie nightclub yeah that would be fine but let me tell you you go to a cuban dance class in naka converse bloodbath mate you'll be out oh, there on your I, won't, I won't be going i won't be going to a cuban dance class if, if this is the type of attitudes that are coming forth before we even got there i don't i don't think i'll be getting involved in that but something no. i will be getting involved in is playing a 30 second copyright friendly clip of dancing shoes right now Great clip was taken. Thank you. Very good clip, wasn't it? I, it I was, was a yeah. big fan of that. Yeah. And that clip was taken from the band's headline set at Glastonbury 2007, where it was sandwiched in between Still Take You Home and From the Ritz to the Rubble. It is also their 10th most played live song, according to setlist.fm, with a total of 414 appearances. Dan, that brings us very nicely onto. A mainstay of the show now. Yeah, you know, we we just threw these jingles together, not realizing they would become the features that would make up the show. But it is indeed time for the information action ratio.
Dancing Shoes is the debut album's fourth track, and as with the previous, it was released on the 23rd of January 2006 and comes in at a rapid 2 minutes and 21 seconds, so even shorter than Fake Tales last week. It has 144 beats per minute, which explains the shorter length, and 81.8 million streams on Spotify. It was, of course, produced by Jim Abyss at the Chapel Studio in Lincolnshire. And our good friend Bahani was back at the helm of the mixing desk once again with his faithful sidekick, Owen Skinner. Ewan Davies also popped in to help Jimbo with the recording on this one as well. I did find out, and you'll be, you'll be interested by this, I did find out that old Barney Barnacott founded Bluebell Hill Studios in 2008. It's a residential recording studio in Kent and has been home to some of the biggest records of recent years from artists such as Sam Fender, Yumi at Six and Jungle. He also runs Studio Builds, which is a company that helps clients create studio space. Barney himself has also mixed Kasabian's debut and later Kasabian's West Rider album. Also, Coldplay's Parachutes, Placebo, The Temper Trap, and many, many, many more. So, giving him some plugs there. You know, we, we, we've both we've both been nice about him. Listeners of last week's show have heard me be horrible about him, <laughs> and now I'm giving him a plug. So, you know, hope we're all good. Bye. Alex describes Dancing Shoes as being about people always looking to pull when they go out, however much they mask it. I'm not sure if that's a term used outside of the UK, but pull as a slang word means, if you're lucky, wooing a partner into spending a delightful evening between the sheets with you. But more times than not, it's just convincing them to have a 10 minute intense, sweaty, tongue filled kiss under a nightclub's lamps. Dancing Shoes is in the key of C-sharp major. Wrong key, though. And other tracks in this key are Sweet Child of Mine by 80s mentalists Guns N' Roses, Mormon Rockers, The Killers with Mr. Brightside, and Never Gonna Give You Up by the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Astley. Uh, as Nick, Nick kind of encroached on the information, information action ratio here by mentioning the amount of times it's been played live, but as he invented this feature, I'll, I'll let him off. Um, yes, Nick was quite right. It has been played 414 times live and was first played on August 14th, 2004 at the Boardwalk Sheffield and last played on April 7th, 2019 at the Estereo Picnic in Colombia. The year it was played most live was 2007, where it hit 99 times. But after that, it went on a steady decline with just eight plays in 2009 and then no plays until it was brought back out of retirement in 2013. However, since the 13-14 a.m. tour, it has struggled to stay consistently in the sets. The track was sampled on Rhythms del Mundo by Cuban artist Buena Vista Social Club, comprising of Ibrahim Ferrer and Omara Portuondo. I'm sure I've butchered those names, but hopefully they didn't butcher this. love that that isn't so much a cover as it is the song with some cuban style music playing over it <laughs> as well yeah, um, I, it, it, I wish all covers were like that <laughs> it made me laugh that the um the top comment on the on the youtube video for this just said i can't believe i spent years thinking this was the original version <laughs> which did make me laugh <laughs> uh, also sampled on this album of hits with a cuban twist are coldplay u2 jack johnson Franz Ferdinand, Maroon 5, and Dido, or as she's now known, Eminem. 
It also recently featured in season two, episode six of Apple TV's Jason Sudeikis vehicle, Ted Lasso. When searching dancing shoes for information online, uh, for little nuggets, I did get this headline. Ed Balls to dust off his dancing shoes for Strictly Live. So oh. if anyone in UK listeners remember that. And it did also make <laughs> me think of um, the awful time that um, Susanna Reed uh, asked Alex if he'd ever appear on Strictly Come Dancing because she'd bet that he'd look good on the dance floor, which I'm yeah. sure we'll discuss at some point in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that can be a Patreon special. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anyone want to crawl inside their own body as much as Alex did at that point. This does take me to the reviews section of the show. Now, I did struggle uh, to find any reviews this week. I have to admit, it was a it was a barren desert out there. There, was, there wasn't even a fan review, as far as I could see. But I did find a review on scenepointblank.com from the 23rd of January, 2006. So an archive review by a chap named Neil. Now, not necessarily a dancing shoes review solely, but I wanted to read it all the same. So this is what Neil has to say. In years to come, when the inevitable I Love 2004 rockumentary hits television with its small army of washed-up never-were celebrities in tow, I can say I lived through that. I was there putting copies of Franz Ferdinand on the shelves on release day. I danced unabashedly to that catchy killer single. I shook my fist at many a U2 iPod commercial. So far, so good, Neil. More than anything, though, I remember the dark cloud that descended over my little record shop in August, the Libertines. What little taste remained in the national consciousness literally packed up and fucked off the day their second album came out. And here I am again, little under 16 months later, and the same thing has happened again with pretty much the exact same album from a different band. Oh, Neil. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the latest enemy cash cow, the Arctic Monkeys. The four members were quite possibly amongst the endless stream of generic art school fashionistas I had served all those months ago, because God knows they must own that Libertines album. Brought to national attention last year with their surprise number one single, I Bet You Looked on the Dance Floor, which captured that 2004 sound of its repetitive jangly guitars and tempo changes anyone could predict. If you've heard this one song, then you have, for all intents and purposes, heard the majority of whatever you say, I'm that's what I am not. Didn't even get the title right. They ring everything they can out of their already limited formula on songs like Dancing Shoes. Just for diversity's sake, though, you have the token slow tracks such as Riot Van, a song about running away from the police, underage drinking, and a spot of heavy-handed police work towards the end. However, NWA and Rodney King, this isn't. Being a bit of a chav seems to be the ongoing theme of the whole album, but hanging around the job centre and drinking cheap cider out of a plastic bottle, he's really making, it sounds like he's making me emotional this, but he's not. <laughs> I just got something in my throat. <laughs> um, doesn't really resonate that well with me, so maybe it's just a bit over my head. About the only positive thing I can muster to say about this band is that they are at least better than Razorlight, but that's a little like boasting that you beat the retarded kid at school in a spelling test. That kind of offensive talk might have been okay in 2006, Neil, but this is 2022 and it's not welcome here. Neil continues... This is a bad rehash of a bastardization of a mediocre album that your old mod uncle probably owns on vinyl. Seek that album out instead if you must, but try to forget this and let's hope it dies quietly in the corner. 1.5 out of 10. Never has a man gotten so many things wrong in one review, both present to his timeline and the future. Any thoughts on that, Nick? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, I wish I had the Vicky Bob handbags thing ready. <laughs> right now. Who, who do you think you are? <laughs> 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 I have honestly been rendered fully, fully speechless there, and that's even before I get onto the content. 
It's well, a factual errors and mistakes. Have yeah. Me over. I've not even got onto the lack of content. Well, before you do, I'll just let you compose yourself because I looked at Neil's profile on this site and he went inactive on October 16th, 2010. So I, I looked up the news that day. And also on that day, <laughs> scientists discovered a new type of snailfish in the Peru-Chile Trench in the Southeast Pacific Ocean. Now, a snailfish is a small fish of cool or cold seas with loose gelatinous skin and typically a ventral sucker, which coincidentally is also the bio of Neil's Tinder profile. I can only assume from his review that the snailfish discovered was in fact Neil himself. Further investigation on my theory that Neil is nothing more than a slimy little bottom-feeding trench dweller is that he gave multiple great reviews to a band called Sinaloa, which features the letters you would need to make the word snail. And I'm not making this up. Their album is called Oceans of Islands, and the cover of said album features a jellyfish. The conspiracy is real that not only does Neil quite clearly have the personality and musical taste of something I would dub a snailfish, but he may actually be one. That's all I'm going to say on Neil. I'm not scathing. I I think Neil's asking for it, if he asks asks my opinion. Uh, Aside from the fact that he probably isn't an actual snailfish, all of that information was accurate, by the way. It did happen on the same day. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, it's an easy, easy jump to make. Yeah, well, as soon as I saw it, I thought, well... That's where he went. That's why he became an actor. He was plucked out of the sea. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's um, it's it's not just the yeah the, the factual inaccuracies are, are dreadful, but it's the hmm, it's how wrong he was about <laughs> the band and what was to come that are finally left, and the fact that he thinks that they were kind of some um, art school fashionistas that were just like sort of pretending to like the libertines and stuff. And when yeah, very funny. Uh, he's, it's he's it's like when you. Yeah, just a bit. It's like when you when you go back and look at the original reviews for The Office before mm. like, everyone jumps on the bottom and it's like, what is this on my telly? I've got to pay <laughs> yeah, the license yeah. to pay for this. Odd that he liked Mr. Brightside and Franz Ferdinand, but really took against Arctic Monkeys, isn't it? Maybe he's a bit of a posho and he thought that the he thought that because they were a bit common or whatever, it was all job centre and cider, like he said, which it, which it isn't. Any any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Neil Neil definitely cheers when the barmaid breaks a glass <laughs> yeah definitely, definitely. yeah or worse than that i was once in a pub in, in stockport in cheadle and um somebody ordered a pint of san miguel and the barmaid said sorry we don't have any san miguel glasses you know that there's a special glass that you get san miguel in um for people that aren't that don't do that um we haven't got any san miguel glasses okay into a pint glass and he kicked off he was like no it's not all right if i want if i pay for san miguel i want it in a san miguel glass and i was like what why is this what how how little is going on in your life that this was really calmed you down <laughs> but um why do you care but yeah he's he's oh, i God. think i think what neil's done is mistaken working class for um automatically being songs about job centers and <laughs> and stuff hasn't he yeah that's what he's done yeah there. He's going to absolutely shit himself when someone makes him listen to Sleaford Mods. I reckon he's, basically, he's yeah. Time of it. <laughs> I reckon basically he he referenced only in a record shot there, and uh, I think basically he's had some kind of someone's insulted him that's come into the record shop, haven't they? Buying that album, <laughs> he's taken it uh, out. Uh, yeah. Have you have you seen the people who go in record shops and and the people who work in them? Bloody hell! I'm I'm, su- I'm surprised like people have remained unmurdered in this story. <laughs> Good one in Burnage, though, that the Gallagher brothers used to go to. Uh, Sifters that I used to frequent Sifters. quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good one. That was, yeah. But yeah, so, but the people in there aren't good. Now, the guy that works there is a lovely old man, but the people that go in there, yeah, they're not in, 
kind of guys that stand by the counter, like shaking their head, talking about, oh, the UFO today wouldn't know the, the beauty of a vinyl because of all the online and all that, <laughs> you know, kind of just <laughs> clinging on to that. Um, but anyway, I think we're giving enough airtime to Neil, but I think I, I think I paid him back in kind. Um, <laughs> so, dancing shoes. Well, all I'll say off the bat with dancing shoes, because we always kind of start with the music, don't we? Um, is that a, a better man than me could not dance to this on every single listen. Like, even if it's just a little wiggle or something, like, particularly from the second verse on. For me, this is just two minutes, 21 seconds of pure, ferocious joy. That's that's what I think of this. That's good. That's the best way to end it. All right, we will see you <laughs> next week. Yeah, I'm glad you've pointed out that it's hard to dance consecutively to it because this used to be my getting ready song when mm. I was... When I was going out, I'd, I'd have this on, I'd have a bit of a dance, a bit of a wiggle while I was getting ready. I, oh yeah. no, I couldn't, I couldn't do that now. Oh no, no, it's, it's really it's, it's, that's a lot of moving to be done. I don't know, I don't know, how I did that every night. I must have been such a confident machine of a man for listening to that every single night. <laughs> no, I was referring to the fact that I still do it. I was listening to it the other day. I was, it was eleven o'clock at night, and I was. We'd recorded last week's episode and I went walking the dog afterwards and I thought, okay, well, I need to start listening to Dancing Shoes. So any excuse to put Artie Monkeys on, I was like, right, need to do my, need to start my research. <laughs> um, and I click, clicked on it and it was, no one was around and I was kind of shaking kind of shaking my butt like, a, you know, doing all that down the street. I like, couldn't help it. Like, yeah. a, like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> yeah, very much so, yeah. 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 Is that a Nicki Minaj lyric? <laughs> yeah um no no I, yeah i yeah this song just gets it's just it's, it's just a great dance i mean the way all the instruments gel in this song as well um it, particularly like the second verse when they all kind of come in it just all works perfectly like there's no there's nothing about this song i know we fake tales last week we we're talking about how there's a little bit of experimental in there and there's you know this it could potentially your hot take was it a little bit out of place and stuff this song is just Perfect. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It knows what it is. Bing, bosh, done. Just joyful. And if yeah, if this came on, if you were drunk enough, Nick Nicholas, in a in a bar, and you were already dancing, maybe, and this came on, you'd, you'd amp it up a bit. You'd turn it up to eleven. I, I, I absolutely would. I'd, I'd I'd rip the knob off and go beyond oh, the eleven. All right. Enough about your private life. <laughs> <laughs> what bars are you going to? No, but, but yeah, no, listen to it again as well. Like, because I hadn't honestly listened to this for years at this point. Like, I know, again, I've, I've said it before, but this is was obviously on the first show, your favorite album, but it's one that I kind of dip in every now and again and listen to. But individual tracks sometimes, and I, I don't remember the last time I listened to this one. And what I did notice on this listen was the, um, and I'm always a Helder's fangirl on this, but the brilliance of Helder's drums in this, like the way in, in the, when it, comes in in the first verse and they, they build it and he's kind of a little bit subdued and then he lets loose in the first chorus a, a bit but then when they, he goes into like full sexy get your hips out and have a fucking dance mode in the second verse like fully goes into it um we're talking about dancing a lot but it, the song is called dancing shoes i guess so it's going to be the theme of the evening i guess no, it, it is an absolute one, one of those early songs once again where everyone shines at some point for all the talk yeah. of oh Alex is the main man, everyone has it, and it's it's really common from going through the beneath the boardwalk demos. But yeah, everyone, mm. everyone has a little time to shine. It's great. 
Yeah, and like the um, because the actual actually speaking of because you know we mentioned Alex Elders, but and, and the bass is you know usual like this. The bass in this album is really cool. Like it's got a different. Like I said, I think on the the first episode, um, the, the view from the afternoon that it doesn't really. It's kind of got this bass that you don't really hear very often. The style that Andy was doing and the you know a little bit Stone Rosey like Sally Cinnamon esque sort of times yeah. on this album, I think, but. But overall, like just kind of the bass is way more prominent and leading things than some songs do. But the the rhythm guitar that Jamie's playing in the choruses and outro are like really like um, kind of a bit Arabella esque, I guess, in the way that they kind of come in like out of nowhere, you know, just like that kind of war pixie vibe. And they actually reminded me a lot of um, Queens of the Stone Age era vulgaris, like threes and sevens. Um, and even the guitar in No One Knows from Songs for the Deaf, um, it's very reminiscent of, of that kind of, I don't know, there's something about the guitar in the chorus, considering it's quite a funky track, the heaviness of the guitar that came in just reminded me of that Queens of the Stone Age style of guitar at that time, and which obviously, as we know from what happens in the future, <laughs> there is a link there, and I think Jamie was a huge fan of them at the time. I think he was the main Queens of the Stone Age head, so it makes complete sense perhaps that they would come through in the rhythm guitar more than, than any other. But yeah, I could really hear that in this, like because Queen of Stone are always seen as quite heavy at that time. But a lot of it, the guitars are quite like not 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 like a heavy heavy. They're kind of like a little bit funky at times and stuff like that. There's there's a little bit something more to Queen of Stone I'd say, like with Arctic Monkeys, and maybe that's what Josh Horn saw. Arctic Monkeys before he took him under his wing. Absolutely, absolutely. We have no sales figures this week, do, they, do we? I, I just had, had my finger hovering over the uh, the jingle for that, and then I was thinking, oh, "Did yeah, you I'm think I'd forgot to go over it?" No, no, it just it just hit me then. Uh, I never thought I'd be that disappointed if we're not getting to use the jingle, but it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. Look, you get look, to look I'm, I'm, you never know. As I do research, there might be like a surprise one before we get to the next one, which would obviously be. Uh, when the sun goes down, we can't. Um, maybe there'll be a surprise when they released Marty one or something somewhere else. So you never know. Maybe, you never know. Maybe. Um, as well with this one, um, musically speaking, uh, fantastic solo. I'd say probably the best solo we've had so far on this album. For them, I'd yeah. say, because depends whether you count the start of A Bet You Look on the Dance Floor as a solo. I suppose you don't really. It's more of an intro, outro, isn't it? But well, not an outro, kind of middle and intro, middle, but it. It is a solo, I suppose, isn't it? But it's more. This one feels much more like a solo in the song that's there as a as an actual solo. Yeah, it fits a lot more, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like as I say, it's the best we've had so far. It's probably the, the first we've had so far. But I, I think it might be the best. I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a couple of others, but I think this might be the most um, solo-y solo of the album, <laughs> or traditional sense. I also think this is the best end to a song we've had so far as well personally because it's kind of got that ferocious end it continues up the pace and just goes like ding, yeah. ding, 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 and it just stops yeah. Um, yeah and if i remember from next week i will reference next week yet but like the way the album's mixed so it goes straight into that next track as well it's very much like a non-stop isn't it but yeah i think the end from the view from the afternoon a bail on the dance floor fake tales yeah i think this is the best the best end to a song so far i'm gonna stick my neck out and say that <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you pointed out as well the way the tracks blend into each other, like the the mm. way it was produced, and everything, because that that is very important when it comes to that. I think the fact it just doesn't yeah. doesn't let up until Riot Van really. Well, I think we'll probably when we do a wrap up one, we'll probably go into the detail about the album as a whole, won't we, and stuff like that. But I think because a lot of people mistake this for a concept album, which 
Not really, I suppose. You can kind of make that argument to a certain extent, but there's tracks that kind of throw that way off the the mark. But I, I think there's an overall theme, perhaps, but not. It's not tied in as a concept. But um, but musically, I think it could be. A, we could say that it's 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 mixed together in a certain way. Yeah, definitely to get you um, to kind of give you that right the way up. And AM is very similar in that regard that you, the, the, the slow bits come at the time when you perhaps need them <laughs> to come because yeah. it's a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very Jim, very good work, Jim and Barney and Ewan and, uh, All the guys. Really Owen, Owen. Yeah. Can't forget Owen. When I see him on Christmas day, he'll be fuming if I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, as well before because i think um before we get on to the the lyrics well i think this is another example this song of them perfectly matching the music to what the song's about so do you remember last week I, last week i was making a big thing about the um uh the fake tales having an argument style so it had like it felt like it was building like an argument does and then blow up and then the after the end is like the kind of when you finally let let it go i feel like with this song it really the music really puts you into that feeling of not only like dancing in a nightclub but also building that anxiety of wanting to talk to a girl maybe she gave you a look maybe she didn't and and obviously lyrically it does that but i mean the music just also amplified that it really put me in the mind space of of being in a sweaty little indie club in 2005 and and it's not because i would regularly hear it in those indie clubs i just think they they do a real job of capturing that in the sound uh, i think probably you know not intentionally it's just that was who they were at the time so it's naturally come through but but yeah it's um i think the song is just the score to a fucking great night out to be honest this song is just that's uh, this song's making me swear a lot for some reason i'm very <laughs> very passionate about it i don't think i've swore yet on this podcast but i swore about four if we if we were on hbo i'd have used my one fuck a season four yeah, times yeah. already <laughs> Not HBO, well, no, though. I don't this different. Yeah. But um, uh, HBO's fucked with it. Yeah, AMC won a series. That's it. Yeah, Mad Men had won every series. I remember it was like, oh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> Breaking Bad as well. So Breaking Bad, yeah, yeah. Here it comes. There's the fuck, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Ned's don't swear as much as you expect. You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, HBO, it's fuck, 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 fuck this, fuck that, and then you can do what you want. Um, yeah, what am I talking about? You can do anything you want on HBO. Um, except a hard penis. <laughs> I draw the line somewhere, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you have anything to say elsewhere on the music side of this track? Um, I'm glad you mentioned about it transporting back, because honestly, within the first five five to ten seconds, if I close my eyes, I am back there in an indie club hearing that. Mm. The smell of vodka and cheap energy drinks. It's permeating mm. my nostrils, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually can't drink. Right I can't drink energy drinks. Now same. I mean, thank God, because you shouldn't. But the like, I just can't. The smell just not takes me back to like when I'd yeah. have like sixteen a night or something crazy because there were pounds. Yeah, yeah, smell not dead, but yeah, yeah. Um, horrible stuff. Horrible stuff. It just reminds me of like forty twos off if I have seen as a smell one that entrance. You're right, but what's weird is it took me back more than any of the others. So like, I wouldn't expect it from Fake Tales every in the afternoon because you didn't hear them as much, but it took me back more than Dance Floor did to the nights. And again, I think that might just be because of what the song's about and what this, the music and the vibe, and it, it is a bit dancey. I don't know, but it because I don't remember hearing it every time we went out. Like dance floor would always be on. Dancing shoes would sometimes make an appearance, wouldn't it? More in um, 42s than 55, I reckon. 
Because yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a strange, strange album in that respect. Because you were hearing not just the singles being played on like the radio. I remember like, when it came out, um, XFM just play- basically playing the full album, just digging out tracks off it. But mm-hmm. I don't think it happened with an album since probably Morning Glory by Oasis was the mm-hmm. last time I can remember that. I mean, so you. So that's that's why songs like Marty Bum are still so popular now because it wasn't released as an official single or anything. Yeah, it's it probably still one of the uh, yeah. most popular tracks just because it was getting played so often. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? And that's something that we can really dig into on the wrap up one, but or on the Marty Bum one. But you're you're right. I haven't thought I haven't thought about it that way before. But all these some of the classic tracks that people think of this album weren't even released. <laughs> they were just really put out there as because yeah, Marty Bum um, obviously is. <laughs> Oh, I think you got a hot tape from Marty Bomber and store it away. Store it away for them. I think you just gave me an idea. But I think yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's a classic that was never actually released as a as a song, which is a rarity, isn't it? There aren't only the big bands get those, I think. Only the good bands. But yeah, no, it's just musically just perfect. Um I've got a couple more things to say on the music, but I'm gonna save them for sort of later on. But um but yeah, did you have anything else or should we move on to the, the lyrics? Let's move on to the lyrics, I say. Okay. Um, well, my I'm going to say this straight away. I think that this song, lyrically, lives in the same universe as number one party anthem. And I mean that lyrically. I don't want to get into the ins and outs of what that song is about, because obviously eventually we'll cover it. But to me, it's more or less about the same, the exact same anxieties that are addressed in this I would say. So if anyone, you know, it's a little bit of a tease that in case you don't know what that song's about, but if you do, which probably you do, because you listen to this um, and you're an obsessive. But, so yeah, I just think they're, they're actually pretty much about the same. Or perhaps you could say no one part of the anthem is this, is one part of this song extrapolated out into a full song lyrically is what I would suggest um, in there. I think, yeah, if you'd agree with that. Uh, and that's not even my hot take. That's just a bomb there. I've got to, I've got to make up with insights for my faux pas with fake tales, haven't I? Really, by throwing some stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's like, right, yeah. Know, get the audience back on side. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were burning effigies of me last week. <laughs> um, but um, I do have to say on this though, um, lyrically, um, uh, oh, and the shit shock horror you've seen your future bride is maybe that one of the funniest lines on the album because it it does what good humor always does there's one of the things with alex on this it's funny but it's it's also like really clever and and funny not just like an easy gag there's some good gags on this album and, and observations like um we always mention um john cooper clark but again similar but um as as good humor does that line it encapsulates so much truth like as someone who myself used to fall in lust that i had mistaken for love <laughs> quite frequently um on nights out i can attest to that line being absolutely bang on yeah. every yeah. week there'd be a different like, well we used to go out about two three times a week and there'd be a different one every night that would be in <laughs> yeah. love with she's the one i like to quote mark and peep show she's the one <laughs> but one of my friends used to have a joke with me that that was me when i was on like he was like that's you like she's the one she's the one <laughs> <laughs> um and they weren't but yeah, uh, that, that, I think that's such a clever, funny line, that one. Uh, and also a saying like that you don't hear a lot anymore. People saying that, do you? Mm. But it used to be quite a big slang thing to say. So for people outside of the UK, that the sh- shit shock horror is something that people w- would say in a sort of sarcastic way to say like, oh, shit shock horror, like some obvious, like, and yeah, yeah. like jerky, like, oh, 
you know, shit shot Corey, yeah, that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a really funny line. In, in, a, in a song that's kind of peppered with him, that, that more, more than in any other song, that truth is rooted in it. Like, like you said about the future bride line, it, that that is exactly what what it was mm. like. You'd you'd you catch a glimpse <laughs> at the bar, and within, within five minutes, you're married with kids in your head. <laughs> you <know what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and really, it was just it was just sexual. Let's be honest. It was the, it was just purely based on um, I don't know. You'd mistake that, yeah, mistake those feelings for for being in love with someone but that and then it would pain you if you didn't get off with them as well like you'd be heartbroken for about until you got a kebab about 20 minutes later and then you'd you'd get over it maybe you'd go home in bed and and the night yourself and you'd get over it but um that would be the uh, that was the most pc way i could say that but yeah you did a good job yeah. well worth it well worth it oh, i nearly said put the kids to bed and i thought no that's not a good analogy to say is it no for no no, no, no make it it's worse not a good now. For that. yeah i'm making it worse cut that uh, <laughs> uh one thing he does on a lot on this album and it escapes me as to whether this continues but I'll, um, that was a very Alex interview-esque thing to say, wasn't it? Like very, uh, like the look away and the slowly saying something really obtuse that means nothing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one thing that I do on this is, um, and I'll look out for it as we go, but is to use the same opening lyrics, but change a line or a word and reuse it at the end to make it feel like a whole brand new set of lyrics within the song. So for example, he says, get on your dancing shoes, there's one thing on your mind. Then he says, get on your dancing shoes, you sexy little swine. And, he, and even though he then just continues to repeat the opening set of lyrics that he said, they just still feel so fresh and you don't notice or care because of the little changes so good that he makes that you don't even realise that he's just repeating the same uh, verse again. But he does that famously in a song later in this album again. But um, I'll be curious to see if it comes up again throughout this album and future eras actually that little um, trip because normally you know not i've never i don't never really thought about it because normally you know when someone reads like you know like mr brightside is the same set of lyrics isn't it for for both that way through right. and um but with this it's like you don't even notice because the line that you changed it to is so good that you're still thinking about that line before you realize yeah. that you're, yeah. just the same you're at the chorus again you're still going oh what a great line that was but yeah i'd be interested to see if he does that again well, we're seeing it on Cornerstone to an extent. Yes, very much so first, to an extent. Probably the most first one I could I could think of there. But yeah, there's, there's definitely more. Mm. Definitely, I think yeah, yeah. There is. Uh, well, yeah, there's one on this album that I'd, uh, you know. Um, well, I'll just say it. I don't know why I'm being so. She was like, anyone listen to this. Well, <laughs> uh, when the sun goes down, he obviously does that. Um, yeah, yeah, quite a lot. But, but, um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, but we did mention the sexy little swine line, so we got to talk about it really because um, the way he sings "swine" is so northern and youthful, and it's almost partridge esque in a way. Like it's just so joyous. Like just to hear. I remember the first time hearing it, and I was just there's just something about it that because so just before before you kind of say, I'm sure you've got thoughts on that, but just to let people know that. The funny thing about the use of that word for people that don't know is that the slang definition of swine would be if you were to call someone a swine here in, in the UK, you, you would dislike them or think that they've been a bad person because they've behaved unpleasantly towards you, let's say. But then he's throwing an almost other slang meaning on top of that, like a more like the northern version of that slang, because he puts it after sexy little. 
and the way he performs it, it makes it sound more cheeky. So instead of it being you swine in an angry way, it, it's become a little bit more northern and it's become like you swine, like, oh, you're a bloody swine, but oh, I can't hate you, ooh, yeah, like that, isn't it? The way he's done it. So it's got this very northern double slang on it, I'd say. He's kind of he's kind of flipped the slang even more than it already was on the word. It's, 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 it's like the it's like that, that that peculiarly British thing that's just like oh if, if you're in a pub with your mates you're like come on you cunt we're going home and it's like, there's yeah no, there's no no yeah. malice yeah and I've heard Americans talk about that where they're, they're here and they're like people say that as a terms of affection in the UK they say they would cunt as a term of affection to someone and it's like yeah that's kind of thing but yeah yeah I just think it's funny the way that he he, he says that in that way and I've always wondered what people make of that that aren't from here. Let's say, but um, yeah, you sexy little swine. I just love that line. I'm sure you love it as well. Uh, as, as you touched on it, it's quite an obscure insult as well. So I, I mean, it's, it's a sad thing. My mum, my mum would call me if I was being yeah. naughty when I was a kid. So, oh, get upstairs, you swine. Oh, I'm oh, glad you took the sexy out of that bit. I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where we were going with that then. <laughs> Down a rabbit hole, no one wants to go through. <laughs> Stick clear with that one, bloody hell. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, so, so my, minus, your sex, minus the sexy qualifier, that's the type of thing I'd get shouted at me as a child. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As a teenager, I got it shouted at me again without the sexy qualifier. <laughs> the um <laughs> but but even when your mum said it, it would be like affectionate almost, isn't it? It's an affectionate again term. Yeah, yeah. When I was in, no one's like since maybe the 30s, nobody's called anyone a swine in a dramatic, no. serious way. You're a swine. Yeah, I was going to say, see Matt Berry for context. But yeah, I just think that's uh, it's just a it's a strange almost line for him to put in there, but a great one. And it it, it just enhances the song in a way. It just makes it that, that one line that makes the song even better because not only have you had this great song that you can dance to and it's cool and it's accurate lyrics, it's it's then just said this line that's kind of thrown you off course where you're like, oh, but it's made you laugh. And yeah, really cleverly placed, I'd say, as it usually it's does. One, it's one of those lines where if you're listening to this album with someone who's not heard it before, You'd mm. be especially annoyed if they talked over that line. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know, we're, we're rewinding it. You're going to listen. Yeah. To yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, and he even says it, the way he says it, he even makes it more cheeky, doesn't he? With the like, sexy little swine. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think on that, the sneery, you know, we always talk about the sneery sarcasticness in this album. It is there. 100% is there in this song. But yeah. I do think it gets overpowered in this one by the cheekiness he sounds very cheeky like he's got a little wry smile on his face in this one yeah yeah like it gives the impression of the 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 commentator but with a knowing nod that this is something he does himself you know like he's kind of talking about himself but from a third point perspective oh i nearly said oh no i got one point perspective i nearly i, nearly did it, yeah. I, need to, I tell you what i'm gonna have to get that alarm ready for next week because they're still, <laughs> still, still popping up aren't they cute new places little keep on popping up <laughs> see i knew as i was saying that i knew i left it open for you but i just couldn't you threw the ball and i had the bat i had it um but yeah no i think um yeah just a great line and i i think the whole song really in terms of the those lyrics and the way he builds up and i, I may as well say it, this is i'll say my favorite lyric because we can't i kind of need to discuss it anyway so this is my favorite lyric 
too busy with the mind on clever lines. Wind up the roundest pitch of the canteen. Yeah, that's for everyone there. Nice. I couldn't resist. I've been waiting to do it for weeks. I thought, no, I'll be professional, but this time I caved. Good out of my system now, though, everyone, so don't worry. <laughs> um, get all yourself. Get all yourself. My favorite lyric is, and some might exchange a glance, but keep pretending to dance. Don't act like it's not happening, as if it's impolite to go and mention your name. Instead, you'll just do the same as they all do and hope for the best. And then, as an addition, the only reason that you came to what you're scared for. There's two reasons why I picked it as my favorite lyric. One is, some of those rhymes, some of those rhymes, um, not just that they're good rhymes, but they're also the perfect words that he's chosen to put you in the headspace of the, the character of this song, let's say, because it is very much a glance you give, you know. So sometimes when I'm praising the rhyme, it isn't always just the rhyme per se, it's the selection of words. Like, so like, yeah, it, like he uses the word glance and it's a perfect word. Not only does it... It, it, it rhyme with dance obviously quite an easy rhyme to do but but glance really sums up that when you're on the dance floor and you think you want it you want to maybe go near that girl and you do that kind of shimmy over so that you can touch backs with her because if you dance near her she might you might accidentally make eye contact and then you're really hoping she'll initiate it because you're such a coward that you won't initiate it so you're waiting for her to initiate it which has never happened and um was <laughs> very lucky yeah uh, really accurate that was yeah it was wasn't it yeah i've been thinking about this for years now that girl <laughs> no, i'm joking um <laughs> but um uh, and glance it really is like a glance that you give and the fact that it rhymes with dance just yeah perfect but but yeah it, it's more the word selection when i talk about rhymes so even like name and same obviously really simple rhymes but when put into the sentences of you know it's impolite to go and mention your name instead you'll just do the same again it's that it's that thing of you know she might be looking at you but you're so scared that you act like it it's not happening even though it's what you want to do and you but you're acting like it's 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 really rude or awkward for you to go over and say something like, and that's something that's even more a thing now, probably with the way online dating and stuff is it's probably even weirder to go up to someone and talk to him in a bar, like, I'd imagine. But, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, so not a great rhyme, but when you put it in the sentence to go and then to go mention your name, same, yeah, perfect. And the reason I added, because it's not part of this rhyming couplet, but the only reason that you came to what you're scared for just absolutely sums up that. <laughs> but really, like, this, this is literally the only. The only reason that you came, it's it's pure truth. It's it's something that I've lived, felt, experienced when I was younger. Always bottling it, even though that's why I went like yearning for something, but not trying to take it <laughs> in any way. And then it's that that line really encapsulate that. The only reason that you came to what you're scared for, yeah. What this is what you came for. This is what you come out for is to try and pull girls, but you're too scared to do anything about it. So what? What's yeah? He can't win. But um, I feel like when he says that line, that is one of those times that he's talking to himself. I feel like a lot in this song he's talking to himself. This is about Alex's insecurities, like of doing this um, as a kind of you know. It's mad to think that Alex could be scared of going to girl now, obviously, but you know, as a seventeen-year-old kid or whatever. Yeah, I can fully relate to this one, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Just just listening back to it, every single word was like a knife, just like just just t taking me back to a moment that I didn't really want to relive again. To be honest, yeah. I, I kind of thought honest, I was fast having to relive it again, but no. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you will, uh, Nick, you will. <laughs> Did you have a favourite lyric at all in, in this song? Have we already kind of said Yeah, yeah you've, well, you, you, you said a couple there, but I, I, I do like the shit shock horror 
as well. That's that's something that's something I kind of kind of entered my vocabulary for quite a while after this album to mm. like weird looks from people when I would say it and it just wouldn't fit the context whatsoever. But yeah, it's it's just one of them phrases that's kind of one of one of many phrases that I've only ever really heard in an Arctic Monkeys track that has mm. still stuck with me. Yeah, and people like down south might disagree, but very northern phrases, very northern slang again. Mm. That like you know, it's that kind of like people might not even know what that means or get the sarcasm from other countries that it's kind of like that that sarcastic like oh shit shot Corey, you know you've seen your future bride again. <laughs> kind of thing that your mate would say because uh, you know that that's what you like but um yeah so yeah not it's like it's crazy because it's not a long song this one but there is so much like meat on the bones lyrically as there usually is and i think like even like next week's probably an even shorter song i would imagine and that's probably very similar in terms of that but but um yeah so shall we say our uh, favorite musical moments in your ears they make you get up and dance they make you get up so um in the first verse everything is like subdued and building so the guitar is like palm muted um which is something that i could never uh master when i was playing which just shows you it's really simple and i could never really master it properly it shows you how shit i was and explains the stories about our band that we sometimes tell and while that but it, the guitar is like palm muted um so like i said earlier like my favorite musical moment is the guitar when it comes in in the second verse so it's just perfect so it takes the song to another level and that's when it really hits and takes you somewhere else so um it's because it because it's got that kind of palm muted, and then you've got the chorus it's like dun, 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 and then the guitar comes in it's and the drums come in as well it's just like the song's finally there and it's that like, you're already enjoying it now it's like raised its level and everything's there and that's the moment like that guitar is the bit when i was after dance when that comes in that ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like uh i i listen to the they do it a bit they used to do it a bit different live actually when they, they used to do this um i remember i I, I listened to the Beneath the Boardwalk for this, and they do it in that where it's like, which by the way is pretty much the same, except it just, you know, like because it's cheaper recording, the guitar sounds a bit weirder and stuff like that. The bass not as good, but but it's the, um, that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the, so when they go live, they used to do this bit where they go, ding, 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 ding. Like they just add this little thing, and it's those little touches. They did it underneath the Boardwalk, but it's those little flourishes that just like make you go, ooh, they used to do live and changes it a bit, mix it up. And um, which they used to love to do is make those little changes. Didn't they? I can only imagine like when they were recording it professionally, like Jimbo was like, no, come on, let's keep it to the, the same riff for like consistency or whatever. You don't want to be just throwing in little flourishes on a recording yeah. track. Save that for the live stuff, lads. I would imagine that's what big old Jimbo said. <laughs> where, where do you reckon where do you reckon Barney was while this was going on? Canteen. <laughs> the bruise for everyone. No, I just eaten. I don't know. I've never seen <laughs> <laughs> I've never to base that on. Um <laughs> just doing nothing probably. Nah, he was mixing money, mixing, mixing away, mixing a cake. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever he was doing. He was both mixing and assistant mixing. Yes, assistant to the mixing assistant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny. Slag them off again now. Keep doing it, don't we? Keep falling into it. And yet we're trying to chase him for like an interview or comment. 
Yeah. Just keep Let's get in touch, Barney. <laughs> He's probably busy making Sam Fender's next album. Um, <laughs> Bass Monkeys again, though. Strange, isn't it? Maybe James Ford has his own people that he uses. No room for Barney. I'd imagine to, to look at James Ford, you look at him and think that's a man who's got his own people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, it might even be like a... Um, well, we'll see when we get to the credits for, for the later albums, but it seems quite quite closed group, doesn't it? When they're recording, like it's the band and James Ford and they kind of do a lot of stuff as well, like stuff like that, you know. I mean, obviously there'll be people that are setting up and stuff, but but yeah, good old James Ford. Get away to the James Ford days. When we get there, but, uh, can't have bloody, there's no Barney clogging up the canteen there on Tranquility Base, I tell you that. Well, um, Jim Abyss is, uh, I will do this next week because we haven't given Jim Abyss his credits. So, because I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to give all the, we've got a full album of tracks from the same album. So, there's only so many credits to give. So, I, I try and spread them out throughout the tracks for the different ones. And Barney just keeps popping up, bless him. But um, we've, I'll give some Jim Abyss credits next week because I'm pretty sure he's someone that's done some famous albums and they specifically got the record Domino got him in because they were like, this is a huge album. It needs to be right. We need to get this. This guy's like the guy to go to for this one because i think he might have done like a famous smiths one or something like that quote me on that but i, I will come with some jim abyss information for you all next week but yeah that's that's my um physic favorite musical moment there that, that guitar when it comes back in and i have to say as well that i think i said about number one party anthem but i think that guitar in the second verse is very much lives in the old yellow bricks family family cottage of songs <laughs> Like it's got that similar kind of beat to it, like similar kind of playing style, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can go along with that. We, we, we need like a really disastrous take at some point because we're just not not getting disastrous takes. You, you'll come out with a take, and I'll be like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there'll be some, I think, as we get into the. Uh, I mean, that's not my hot take. My hot take's coming, so maybe there's still time for you to disagree. But, but we've got um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, when we're talking about the favourite lyrics and the favourite musical moments, it's, it's going to be very unlikely that I'm going to go, no, nah, I think that's shit, mate, to be honest, because <laughs> yeah. we are fangirls. So I very much doubt that. But the hot takes, you know, we, I didn't, but, you know, to be fair, I didn't embarrass you with a hot take you had. So, you know, we, we have been, it's not uncharted territory for us to disagree. But yeah, I think there'll be some maybe in the future that you'll go, oh, I think you're talking shit, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Well, let's see if that's the case. Is this the time to get onto your hot take? Uh, unless you want to say your musical moment first, unless we've already discussed no, it. No, because it's the same same as yours, and that was my diplomatic way of just moving. <laughs> was it? Yeah, I'll, yeah. Let, I'll let you go first next week. Let's see. 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 Let's I think as the songs get a little bit more complex, we'll find things that we both find more different pleasures in than the other one, maybe, perhaps, yeah. That's not my hot take. That'd be a weird hot take, wouldn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my no. hot take for the week, different people have different opinions on things. <laughs> very, very specifically about us as well. Um, <laughs> I love this. You did that last week. Is that an impression of my voice that you're doing there, or is it just a generic, like, uh, train spot of voice? It's my generic train spot. I don't have many it's comedy voices. Because I thought, I got a little bit listening back. I was like, it did sound like a bit like my voice a bit. And then I started to get paranoid. So thanks for that. No, it's, it's, my, complex now. it's my <laughs> generic train spot again. This is what I use to read emails on my football podcast. Ah, okay, good, good, good. I could have done um, Neil's 
reviewing that voice, couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Nob. Uh, right, so my topic <laughs> is uh, there are a lot of songs about trying to get with somebody when you're a teenager. I think we can agree, agree on that. That's not bad take again. That would be. I think, <laughs> but I think this is the greatest ever song to encapsulate the reality of that. So what I mean by that is, and I say that because um, take, for example, a really cool rock song like Teenage Kicks that captures the intensity and desperateness of youthful romance. And what I mean by this one being the best ever, obviously it's not the best song about young love and robots, stuff like that, obviously. But this superbly and accurately represents the anxiety side of it. Um, the non-sexy side where you're actually just too scared to go and act on the thing that you're desperate for. Like, like I'm not saying it's the only song ever to address it, as I'm sure there's there's lots, particularly maybe in like the pop punk world and stuff like that. But I'm just saying that very specifically lyrically, I think this might be the most accurate at representing that feeling of actually putting you in that headspace. Is what I would say is, is my... My hot take, like, so it's very before anyone's like, there's this song that, that I'm doing your voice. It's this song that accurately, like, blah, blah, blah. This song does this about being scared to speak to a girl. I understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying that for me, this one makes me, reminds me of that feeling or, or accurately represents it more than any other, I would say, in a fun way as well. It's not too heavy. It's not like it's, it's, a, it's a similar, similar feeling to the one you get when you listen to How Soon Is Now by the Smiths as well. Yes. Sim yeah. Similar themes, I think, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you've just named one there that someone could disagree with me on. But for me, this is the one that makes me the way. How Maybe it's very personal. Maybe it's just the way it accurately represented how I felt <laughs> in this and way. how soon is now does drag on a bit, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, this song does know. The good thing about Artie Monkeys is they usually know. It's very rare you get a song about, like, Oasis were known for dragging songs out. You're like, bloody hell, lads, come on. This song could have ended five minutes ago. <laughs> but I think of a single Arctic Monkey song that's outstayed its welcome. Probably the longest song I can think of by them. It's like four stars out of five, end, goes on for a while, but it builds to a nice little crescendo, so it kind yeah. of works. But it's very rare that I'll hear an Arctic Monkey song and go, mm, that was a bit too long. If, if anything, like the new one that um, dropped today that we discussed earlier, I felt could have gone on a little bit longer. Actually, it ends quite abruptly, but but they don't. They know not to outstay the well. I thought the same about body pain, and then they go and release live versions of it, where it's just an extended outro. Oh, lovely stuff! Big fan of that. Big fan. Um, but yeah, that's my hot take. Any again, as always, please feel free to get in touch. How would they get in touch to to disagree with me or show me the error of my ways? Is what we'll say. Because we're all friends. Hey, we'll get in touch. We are all friends. I'm glad you said that. Because if you, if you also feel like we're all friends, then you can get in touch with us. Just go onto the episode description on your podcast player of choice, where the thing you're looking at right now, and all our links will be there. You click the little link tree, and all our links will be there to our YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the whole lot. They will all be there. Or you can email us, as people have done. We are Arctic Monkeys Podcast at gmail.com. All in the right order, otherwise it won't make it to us. No, yeah. No um no Facebook presence because you know, if you've uh, still got friends on the wall, maybe you shouldn't have called that thing friendly at all. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you've just been stepping away from Facebook for years just so you could one day 
you got for a while. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't hear you going through any of the socials because I was preparing saying that. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> and anyone watching the video will just see my eyes zoning out, like thinking about how I can slip that in. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the minute you said, the minute we referenced everyone being our friends, I was going through every song in my head like, friends, what's, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's the best lyric I can do? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Neil, that that's um, so it's the one with this song. I think it's this is probably the sh- one of the shortest episodes we, we've done. But I feel like we are at the end. But I think it's it's a fast song. It does, and it's a brilliant song. And it's it, it the lyrics are incredibly funny and accurate. And you know, it's a rare thing for a song to be funny, witty, but also make you feel um, express something negative like a, an anxiety you know it's very rare that you get that from a, a comedian-esque i'd say a stand-up comedian-esque of alex here with his the way he does a song and musically brilliant all round you know excellent track yeah with, with the, the review that we had to go over before from neil fucking neil <laughs> Ooh, <bloody laughs> neil and his review but but he seems to lump him in with all all these bands you know the, the likes of like Razorlight and franz ferdinand where they've kind of got this false bravado but with, with with this track, it was just they're not hiding not behind hide. anything. It's just, it's just a, a, just an intellectual study of how bloody anxious a situation it is. Mm, and you know, well, I mean, he was talking nonsense, wasn't he? To compare Liberty and second album being the same, like the Atomic has ripped it off with this album is. I don't even know where to start with that. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> no similarities whatsoever. I can think of apart from the fact they're both a bit fast at times. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the singers both have heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, bizarre, very bizarre. But he got his, so yeah. Let's move on from Neil. Yeah, but we've we've told Neil. We told Neil he went act- inactive in 2010. Yeah, fucking snail. But he's dead. <laughs> and you notice I didn't say I hope he's dead. I said I bet he's dead. I was just commenting on it before. <laughs> I said I bet he's dead. Bloody Neil. If you do know where Neil's record shop is. I mean, you'd be—you'd have to really piece together some information to know that because all we gave you was a name and the fact that you wrote Artie Monkey's review on an obscure website in 2006. But if you do know where his shop is, then please go and brick the windows in. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I was not advocating the use of violence. <laughs> I was speaking to someone on their level. <laughs> go, to, go to his record store and then maybe turn up with like a load of spares to trade in that you'll have to go through. Just the second Liberty's album and let people say I'm not swap, I'm not just a whole box of them to give him, <laughs> leave him on his doorstep. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll just go in, I'll go in with like a um, 10,000 word essay on why everything he said was wrong and just make him listen at gunpoint. No, I didn't say, no, no, no. <laughs> not at gunpoint. I just put my thing, I just put my hand in my pocket or a banana. Yeah. Yeah, banana, yeah. Be responsible to have an actual gun. This is the UK anyway. We outlawed guns. <laughs> <laughs> that showed them. Yeah. Plenty of knives, though. Yeah, anyway, we're, <laughs> we're going way off topic. Let's, uh, shall we Shall we uh, close things out, Nick? Yeah. Indeed. So if you didn't hear all of the above stuff, make sure to follow all our channels, review us. We will be back next Lesbian Wednesday, won't we, Dan, where the song of choice, I say song of choice, the next song in the order that's been given to us yeah, was song of choice is, by Arctic monkeys when they were structuring this album you could say um well i'd love to tell you what next week's song is nick but i think i've done a whoopsie yes for all you frank spencer enthusiasts out there it's you probably couldn't see for the lights but you were staring straight at me 
not a, not a cla- I know we said we wouldn't say it's a classic every week, but I wouldn't say this is a classic actually. But it's that's not to say I'm going to say anything negative about it. But I'm just saying I don't think it's a classic like the others are. It's one of those ones on the album that's you know, I mean in terms of what people they're in the pop culture. It's not. Yeah, like- I I I think there are three other songs that fit in with that. So we'll discuss that next week and we can on on, on this out. I I, okay. I think there's. I think there's four songs in total that pick, that will probably pass a lot of people by, and next mm, week's is one I, of them. As we go fair, I'm going to say those four, but uh, to you, well, I spoil it now for the audience. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, I can't wait to do that one. And I had to make sure that I checked like four times. I got that title right because it's it's so long, and I was like, <laughs> I hope I don't miss one of the words off or something. But interesting title that we'll I'm sure we'll discuss next week. Yeah. And uh, with it being a long title as well, I'm I'm going to prepare a list of other songs with similarly cumbersome titles. Don't give the content now. Don't don't sell. Give well, that, <laughs> it, that wasn't that wasn't allotted content. That just fell into my head. And will probably fall, fall out again straight away before next week. Yeah, I'll do it and then say, oh, oh yes, yeah. And you'll be editing it back a few weeks ago. I thought of that the prick. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we we have indeed been Don't Believe a Hype, and we will be back next week. Don't forget, do all the stuff, follow, review, all that cape, because it's meant to be pretty important. Dan, say goodbye to the lovely people. Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. Don't Believe a Hype is hosted and produced weekly by Nick Lee and Dan Holt. Music used in the titles is royalty-free music, courtesy of Les FM. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice to be notified every Wednesday when a new episode is released. And if you want to help us out further, be sure to like and review to help make us more visible to like-minded souls. We'll see you next week with more of the same.